As Jesus is sitting in the house of a man named Zacchaeus, in the midst of sinners and tax collectors and people that give you a bad reputation, when you're somebody like Jesus, as he reclines at that table, he begins to speak in a parable. And he talks about a man who's going off to receive a kingdom. But before he does, he finds some of his servants and he calls them together and he gives them each ten minas, which is about three months wages for a labor each. So about 30 months worth of wages for their labor. And he says, while I'm gone, I want you to take this and I want you to do business and I want you to put it to work. And so he goes away and he receives his kingdom. When he comes back, it's time to collect. And he calls the people together and the first person says, look, I took the money that you gave me and I made 10 more. So I doubled the money that you gave me. And another person comes, he says, well, I made five more minas. I put your money to work and 50% more than you gave me, I'm now returning to you. But then one person says, listen, I was a little scared of you, to be honest. You're a fearful man and I know that you reap where you don't sow. And so I wanted to make sure that I could give you back everything that you gave me. And so I wrapped it up in a handkerchief and I hid it away. And here is exactly what you gave me. But the master looked at him and says, I'll condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I didn't sow. Why then did you not put money in the bank at my coming that I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to one who has ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, why? He has ten minas. And then the master says this in verse 26 of Luke chapter 19. He says, I tell you that everyone who has more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. May God add his blessing and his favor to the reading of his word. Thanks be to God for his word. Father God, we thank you for all the things we've heard today. And as we very briefly look at at your word and this parable that Jesus offered for us, help us to see the importance of taking what you've given us and going out into the world and giving it away. Father, we pray that we are motivated by grace and by the gospel to go and to be examples of your love by taking the gospel out into the world and not waiting for the world to come to us. Teach us to be kingdom-minded people on a kingdom-minded mission. And we ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Last week, we looked at three parables as Jesus teaches us about a God who pursues the lost. And we learned about a God who loves his children so much that when they stray, when they fall away, whether it's through distraction or through difficult circumstances or through outright rebellion, we serve a God who chases us down. He told us about a God who is like a man who had a hundred sheep and one wandered off. And so the shepherd leaves the 99 behind unprotected in an open land to go and find the one and bring it home. He teaches us that our God is like a woman who had 10 coins and one rolled off and she turns the house upside down and she sweeps it everywhere to find that one coin and to bring it back to the pile. He says that our God is like a man that has two sons. 
one who looked him in the face and said, I wish that you were dead. Just give me my money and let me go and ran off in rebellion. And when that son crawls back in shame, the father didn't sit at a distance and wait for his son to come and grovel, but he ran down the road to meet him and brought him back into his home. All the while, his oldest son, who had been living in his house the whole time, looked off with judgment and disdain because he hated his brother because he was getting something that he didn't think he deserved. And yet the father dealt gently with the older brother as well. And in that, we see the beauty of the gospel. That no matter who we are, no matter how far we've run, no matter what we've done, we have a God who loves us unconditionally, who chases us down and meets us where we are. And when he finds us, And when He brings us in, we gain something unimaginable. Scripture teaches us that we gain a new home. In Hebrews, we're taught that when we trust in Christ for salvation, that we who were once out in a distance, we who once didn't belong in the house of God, that He brings us into His home. That we get a new identity because we're told in the Bible that before Christ, we are enemies of God and children of wrath. But when we trust in Christ for salvation, we become sons and daughters of the Most High that He loves unconditionally and fully. Paul teaches us that we are dead in our sins and trespasses, but when we trust in Christ, we are given new life and made alive through Jesus out of the abundance of love that God has for us. We're given forgiveness all the shame and all the guilt and all the stuff that we carry because of all the things that we do, God wipes those things away through the blood of Christ. And He not only gives us a clean slate, but He washes our slate clean from start to finish. And He who began that good work in us will complete it on the day of Jesus. So one day when we stand before God, He's not going to see all the things we were and all the things that we've done, but He's going to look at us through His Son and see us washed clean. He gives us freedom. Because Paul teaches us that we are enslaved to our sin, but what Jesus does through His death and resurrection is sets us free so that we're no longer under dominion to that sin, but we have the power through Christ to walk away and each and every day look at those trials and temptations in our lives and say, no, that's not me. I'm going to walk towards Christ. I'm going to pursue Christ. I'm going to follow after Him. And he gives us an inheritance that Peter tells us is beyond our wildest imaginations and it's given just for us by the God who spoke the universe into being. He is giving us that inheritance and he's holding on to it and protecting it for us through faith and one day we'll receive it in full. And what's amazing about that is we've seen all the way through the book of Luke so far is that it's completely and totally free of charge that we don't work for it, that we don't earn it, that we can't reach our way up to God. But God loved the world so much, as Drew told us in that assurance of pardon, that He gave His Son and met us where we were, reached down to us, and brought us that forgiveness completely free of charge so that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's really good news. That's the picture of the kingdom that Jesus was painting where sinners and broken people and saints alike, all who need the grace and mercy of God can receive that freely, not on what they've done, but on what God has done for them. And so if you're here, and maybe this is the first time you're hearing that message, or maybe you've never responded to the beauty of the gospel before, then know that's the truth that we have in Scripture. That's how much God loves you. That no matter where you've run to, no matter how far off you found yourself, there is a God who is pursuing you and chasing you down and offering to you new life and a new hope. 
And so if you've never trusted in Christ for salvation before, then I want to encourage you. If you've never been baptized before, please don't leave this place this morning without talking with me or with Adam or one of our community group leaders about what it means to be saved by the grace and mercy of God. But if you're here and that that is you, if you've trusted in Christ for salvation, if you belong to the kingdom of God, if you are a son or daughter of God, if you are a follower of Jesus, then you have been given a great gift. But it's one that comes with incredible responsibility. Because we're told in Scripture that once we trust in Christ, once we have believed in Him, once we belong to God, then we have a mission and we have a responsibility to put our faith into practice and to put the gospel on display. In Romans 10, 13-15, Paul says this. He says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? We have the responsibility to tell people about the good news of the Gospel. To share our faith and to share that good news with others so that they can have that same story in their lives of a God who pursues them and chases them down and saves them by grace. But how can we tell people about a God who leaves the 99 to find the one? How can we tell them about a God who turns a house upside down to find the one missing coin? A God who chases his son down the road and meets him as he crawls back. And then in all of these stories, throws a party to celebrate the broken and lost coming home. How can we tell people about that kind of God if we're not willing to model that as we go? If we're not willing to be the kind of people who leave the 99 to find the one, to turn our houses upside down to see one person come to faith in Christ, to be the kind of people who see the brokenness and the hurt in the world and in the eyes of our neighbors and run to them and love them with a Christ-like compassion. How can we tell the story of a God with us if we aren't willing to go to others? The same Paul that said that in Romans also says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19-23. through 23. He says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. And I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them and its blessings. You see, Paul met that incarnate Christ on the road to Damascus. Paul understood that we have a God who loves us so much that He became one of us for us. And Paul says, if I'm going to go out and I'm going to take this gospel, I better embody that gospel. If I serve an incarnate God, I better be an incarnational person meeting people where they are, meeting people as they are, loving them as they are, and sharing the gospel with them where they are. And because of that, we have to do the exact same thing. And as individuals and as a church, we cannot, and if we're doing what God is calling us to do, we will not be a church that sits idly by. But we need to be a church of action and a church that reaches out. 
We're not here to set our stage here so that people can find us and come to us. It's our responsibility to go outside of these walls and go to where people are, meet them as they are, love them as they are, and share the gospel with them where they are. I think we have been so faithful really since the the birth of our church and being a church that does that. But we've still got work to do. And we can do even more of that. And it starts in our circles. It starts in your homes, in your schools, in your places of work, in the places where you go and spend your time, the places where you do life. We start there by meeting the people in our lives where they are and using our lives to share the gospel. But we know that God has given us such incredible opportunities right here, local, where we are, to meet the people in our community and to love them with a Christ-like love and to invest in their lives through ministries like the Path Project and like Shepherd Staff. And now we're seeing God even open doors to where our little church, and I understand we're little, but we'll get to that. But God is opening doors for our little church to be able to reach and impact lives of people outside of the borders of our country. And as Rodney was saying, that begins with prayer. Because we are little. We're a little church. (laughs) And sometimes we can feel like a really little church, but that's okay. Because we serve a really big God. And we're not worried about the things that we can do or the things that we can't do because we know that God is so big that he can work all things in his glory and can do all things through his power. And so we know that if we trust God in faith and if we take these steps to go where Jesus is leading us to go as a church, that he's going to do things in and through our little church that we can never imagine or fathom. But we need to be willing to take those steps to go and to do what we're called to do. And so it's my hope and it's my prayer that as we continue to grow, but even as we are right now, that we will be a church that is completely and totally involved and invested in the lives of the people who live around us, in the ministries that we're partnering with, and then now hopefully across not just our nation, but across the sea in another country, in another place. And so I want to encourage and I want to ask and I want us all to be praying about where we're going to serve. We have incredible opportunities with Path Project and Shepherd Staff to be involved on a regular basis. We're going to hear about some other ministries that are going on. Adam's going to talk a little bit about Good News Clubs and what those are. There are incredible ways to be involved in our community on a daily basis. And so no matter what your schedule is, trust me, there's a way to get involved. And I understand because we are a small church, it can feel a little taxing sometimes because even just on Sunday mornings and as we're about to start Wednesday nights, we have to have a lot of people involved in volunteering and serving on a regular basis to be able to make this work. But we have a calling outside of what happens on Sundays and Wednesdays and we need to be reaching out. And so I want to encourage all of us to spend time praying about the places in which we can be involved. Shepherd Staff and Lydia House with the Path Project, with other ministries that are going on in our community, with Rodney in Costa Rica, and just all the things that are going on. And if you're here and you're like, I don't know where I fit, I don't know where I belong, come and talk to me. I really like that. I really enjoy talking to people about your gifts and your skills and things that are going on, and we'll find a place for you. But this is who we are as a church. We are called to do all things for the glory of God and to the good of our neighbors. And our neighbors are here and they need help and they need us and they most importantly need the gospel. And even if we have nothing else, we have that and that's more than enough. And so God has given us an amazing gift free of charge through the gospel. 
And he has entrusted us with that and he's put it in our hands, not so that we can wrap it in a scarf and take care of it and hide it away so that one day we'll come to God and say, here's exactly what you gave me. But he's entrusted us with this salvation and our gifts and the things that he's given us so that we could be good stewards of that so that one day we'll be able to stand before God and say, here's what you gave me and here's what I was able to do with it through your power and through your grace and through your mercy. Here is the fruit of the labor that I've put in for the sake of the gospel. And so let's be that church. Let's be those people that serve and love God by serving and loving our neighbors and through our partnerships with these incredible ministries.